Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Wednesday, February the 20th, and we're talking healthcare. I'm your host, Shannon Jones, and I'm joined via Skype by Foolish Contributor and uh, really medical device guru, Brian Feroldi. Brian, how are you? Hey, Shannon, how's it going? It's going well. I'm so glad to have you back. Uh, really excited to have you back for this topic in particular. We're talking about medical device monopolies, specifically three stocks that we think could really drive shareholder returns for the long term. And so, Brian, I'm excited to have you on the show to talk about these three stocks. Before we jump into the stocks, though, maybe let's level set, because I think it's important when we talk about medical device monopolies to really define what we mean by that. Do you want to give any context to that word monopolies? I think there's kind of a negative connotation but from an investor's perspective, it's actually a really great thing. Sure. So when we talk about monopolies, we just mean that a company essentially utterly dominates its category, either through having immense market share or from the uh, from having a lack of competition, uh, and that can happen for a variety of reasons. Uh, sometimes regulatory. Sometimes they are inventing a new category and they're growing it organically themselves, in which case they have nobody to compete against. But from an investor perspective, a monopoly is a wonderful thing because then the company can set prices, it can grow as the category grows, and it can really deliver huge uh, shareholder returns over time. Absolutely. And you talk about competition. It doesn't necessarily mean that these companies are in a class all by themselves. It may mean that there's limited comp- competition or there's competition on the horizon, but it doesn't necessarily mean like they're out on an island by themselves. And as you mentioned, that really comes down to more market share for them and more importantly, pricing power. And I think that's really the advantage that these companies bring, especially those that have come as you know first to market. And they've been really the uh, pioneers in many of these device classes. So let's dive right into the first one. This one is probably no shocker to many of our listeners. Um, this is a full favorite. First company is Intuitive Surgical, truly a medical device powerhouse. That is ticker symbol ISRG, a company right now sporting a market cap of about $62 billion. Again, true pioneers in this space. Brian, what can you tell us about Intuitive Surgical? So Intuitive Surgical was really the first company to uh, grow the concept of uh, robotic surgery. So these guys launched their system, which is called DaVinci, about literally 20 years ago in 1999. And the idea was to have a a, use the robots, which has uh, multiple arms, to assist surgeons with a variety of uh, laparoscopic procedures. And the advantage of using a robot was that the incision size would be much smaller. Uh, Robots have far more precision than the human hand can. And you can go in, uh, do the the surgery, and close up the patient, which much less scarring, uh, much less blood loss, and that enables faster recovery time. And these guys, uh, Intuitive Surgical, focused on uh, a few uh, surgical areas right now. Um, It has expanded over time, but right now they're really big in urology gynecology, and kind of a catch-all category that they call uh, general surgery. And these guys have basically had this market all to themselves for the last two decades. They are the gold standard in robotic surgery. And uh, to date, there are about 5,000, almost 5,000 of their Da Vinci systems uh, placed around the world. 
And it's really not even about just the systems here, Brian, because also, too, it's about the instruments that are used with the systems um, and all of the accessories that have to be replaced every single time they do a surgery. And so this is one of those tried and true business models, the razor and blades business model that Intuitive Surgical has really um, used in this space and used it very well. And it's really all of the instruments and the accessories that are replaced that Number one is a reoccurring revenue stream for them. It's also a high margin uh, revenue stream for them as well. And right now that makes up about 71% of total revenue for Intuitive Surgical. Um, If you look out over the last 10 years, the company's revenue and earnings have more than quadrupled. And so this will be, I think, a very long-term growth story for them because really, again, pioneering the use of robotic surgery. Uh, We'll talk about competition in a second. With that, you're going to have entrants that are going to want to come in and take advantage of the high revenue streams and high margin products. Um, But one of the things I think as you are diving into this company and something to really watch is for them procedure growth. Brian, you mentioned, you know, they in urology, gynecology, general surgery. Um, They're going to be expanding into indications beyond those. That'll be one thing to watch. Um, But also, too, just how many procedures they do in general. So, For 2019, they're guiding for about 13 to 17% growth in procedures. Compare that to uh, fiscal year 2018, where they were guiding initially at the beginning of the year about 9 to 12% in procedure growth. And uh, over the course of the year, they actually uh, came out about 18% in procedure growth. So I think uh, for FY19, with their guidance, that 13 to 17% range, definitely doable. Um, And they've basically been able to prove that they can beat those numbers. Uh, So all in all, I like the long-term growth story. But as we talked about, Brian, competition is certainly right around the corner. Yeah, you can't grow into a $60 billion business without other medical medical device companies wondering what you're doing. so there are a number of uh, players that are really taking an interest in the robotic surgery market now that Intuitive Surgical has proved the category out. Um, two of the bigger ones for investors to kind of keep an, investors and intuitive to keep an eye on are uh, Johnson and Johnson, who actually has a partnership in place with um, Alphabet's Life Science Division, and they created a company called Verb Surgical that's still in the clinical stage right now. But obviously, with J and J and Alphabet backing you, you have an unlimited source of funding to develop a system that will eventually compete with Intuitive. We haven't seen anything yet, but that could be on the horizon. Uh, Medtronic is uh, a medical device giant that um, has recently taken an interest in this in this category too. They acquired a company called Mazor Robotics um, a year or two ago, and Mazor had a robotic surgical system, but they focused on spine surgery. So it was a different category of surgery than, than Intuitive. So um, there, there's been a couple of uh, companies like that that have come along. Another one is called uh, Mako Surgical that was acquired a couple years ago by uh, Stryker, and those companies focused on uh, s- surgery of the spine and the hips so they don't com- they wouldn't compete directly with intuitive uh, directly because again intuitive is focused focused on minimally invasive uh, surgery but there's no doubt that a lot of large cat companies have seen intuitive success and want in on the action and it really again can't highlight how important it was for intuitive to be really the pioneer in this space um, I saw an interesting stat Brian 84 percent of its US customers at academic institutions actually use the DaVinci Virtual Reality Simulator for training. So what that means is all of these new surgeons coming out of medical school are being trained on Intuitive Surgical's devices. 
That's huge. So that means not only are they being trained on it, more than likely many of these large hospital systems, which are connected with these academic centers, are going to be continuing to use the same intuitive surgical devices um, beyond their training. And that really then... uh, Basically, now you're looking at really high switching cost. So why would they go and buy one of these competitor products when their surgeons have already been trained um, on these devices? They know it well. Um, I think this is a huge, huge advantage that Intuitive Surgical has. Um, And just looking at it, I think... Not only is that a huge advantage for them, but they've also got a growth story internationally as well. We talked about the U.S., but internationally, really, it'll come down to places like India, Taiwan, and China, where they're already starting to enter those markets. I think that'll be really a key story to watch as well. Yeah, I 100% agree with you there. I mean, competition certainly will, will start to creep into this space. But one of the reasons that I personally love medical device companies is there is an enormous training component that has to happen on the healthcare provider level. And once a, a, a doctor, a nurse, a, a physician sits down and takes the time to learn and get really comfortable with the system, there become enormous switching costs for them to switch over to a competing system. Uh, just because they're, they're already set up, they're already happy, and they already have a system in place. I mean, I sold medical devices for 10 years, and I saw that that reluctance to learn something new firsthand. So it's one of the reasons that I think the medical device industry is a wonderful place for investors to park long-term capital. Absolutely. So next up, let's talk about another medical device company, one that was actually one of the top performers of the S&P 500 in 2018. And that company is Abiomed, that's ticker symbol ABMD, was up over 73% in 2018. Uh, Brian, here's another medical device company, really focused on minimally invasive techniques and products. Uh, This is a company you actually got an opportunity to interview recently as well. What can you tell us about this company? Yeah, so Abiomed has just been uh, one of the best uh, investments you could have made over the last couple of years. I I believe their stock is up tenfold over the last, say, three or four years. And that's because they have just posted unbelievable uh, revenue and profit growth as their Impella system, as it's called, has has just caught on. So the Impella system is a miniaturized pump that is placed directly into a patient's tart uh, either after they've had a heart attack or before they are about to undergo a very high-risk heart procedure. So by placing this pump into their heart, it helps to keep the blood flowing throughout the body, and it eases the stress placed on the heart, either after the heart attack or before the surgery. And doing that allows the heart to heal much better than it would on its own. So uh, and in in Abiomed's case, they are the only FDA-approved device that miniature, minimally invasive um, heart pump, miniaturized heart pump that uh, is on the market right now. They literally have a a monopoly in their category. They are actually displacing an older older technology that isn't nearly as clinically as effective as as the Impella system is. And I love just how laser-focused this company is on the cardiology space. So they've got the Impella device um, for, as you mentioned, these high-risk procedures, especially after a heart attack, but they're even looking to expand into other uh, cardiac therapeutic indications as well. So they've got also a long runway. One thing that I did notice, a recent study showed that the Impella device actually increased survival rates by 24% in patients that went into cardiogenic shock. Um, So not only is it helping to expedite recovery, but it's really hoping to increase survival as well. The reorder rate 
for the Impella devices, Brian, astounds me. The heart pump continues to be strong at 100%. It's going to be tough for any sort of competition to try to come into this space, I think. Yeah, one of the questions that I had for the management team when I got to sit down with them was, what's going to prevent somebody from coming in and knocking you guys off your perch? And they had a number of answers for that. And uh, one of the big ones was just the training. I mean, uh, I've seen this company's training facility. They fly doctors in from all over the world. Uh, They host regular um, uh, uh, chats and uh, video conferences to uh, make sure that people that are using this device really um, understand it fully. So this is a company that is laser focused on, on, on training and uh, developing as many possible many relationships as possible with with worldwide uh, leaders in um, in uh, heart surgery so they just have a tremendous tremendous lead right now and the thing that I find really compelling about their story is that in in the US which is their most developed market by far uh, their penetration rate is only about 10 percent. So only about 10% of procedures that could use Impella are currently using it. And if you zoom out to the rest of the world, I mean, right now they're only in uh, Germany and they just recently launched in Japan. So this company still has a tremendous uh, runway for growth ahead of it. And that's super attractive given that they are, again, the only FDA approved uh, miniaturized heart pump on the market. And it doesn't just stop there. There are a lot of competitive advantages that I think uh, Abiomed brings to the table. First of all, it's got uh, over 200 patents right now, um, and then several hundred waiting to be um, approved as well. Not only that, you're talking about support. Um, Brian, you mentioned uh, about the training that's involved. 70% of Impella procedures have an Abiomed employee right there, which obviously strengthens that relationship between the company and many of these larger hospital systems. And then two, it's data. So I was fascinated uh, by this, but all the Impella devices that are in use actually send back data in real time to the company, which then allows them to provide continuous support to start. I could see that data even continuing to be used in other ways as well. So they've got a a number of really interesting competitive advantages in and of themselves. This is another uh, company to watch also, too, when it comes to international expansion. You mentioned Germany. uh, You mentioned Japan. Japan is actually the second largest medical device market in the world. I think that's going to be critical to their long-term growth story as well. Yeah, I 100% agree with you there. And there are so many other countries for this device to be used in over time. And, and, and they also have multiple clinical studies going to expand the number of procedures that it can be used in today. So the market opportunity is huge. Uh, now, with that in mind, there are, of course, a number of companies that, are, that, that want in on this space. Uh, again, uh, the same names we keep hearing about over and over again, but Medtronic has eyes eye on this. There's also uh, Abbott Labs. And there's a couple of companies that are n- no slouches themselves, Edwards Light Sciences, Boston Scientific, they are all interested in this space and they're all developing uh, their own technology to eventually compete with Abiumed one day. Um, but they, the, for those devices to get on the market, they would have to clear a significant regulatory hurdle. And then again, right now, Abiumed has a huge head start, a multi-year lead on, on all these companies. So I, I have a hard time seeing anybody else come into this market and knocking Abiumed off its perch. Totally agree. Let's talk about our last stock. This one is so interesting to me. Um, number one, because I don't think it's nearly as well known or recognized as the other two that we talked about. 
but I'm even more fascinated by its technology. So the company we're talking about is actually targeting one of the hottest areas of investment in healthcare, and that's really cancer oncology. We've talked about it a lot on industry-focused healthcare. Um, but I would say probably the riskier of the bunch. The company is called Novacure, and that ticker symbol is NVCR. And uh, Brian, what can you tell us about their innovative approach to treating cancer? And Novacure is really an odd duck in the healthcare world. Um, they are a medical device company that is targeting cancer. And they developed this, uh, this uh, therapy, which they called tumor treating fields, or TT fields. And what they basically found was that if you create an electric field it will and, and tune it to specific frequencies, that it inhibits cell division in cancerous tumors. And so this is the device that they have FDA approved. It's on the market. You put it on your head. It looks like a, a swimming cap, basically, with some, with some cords coming off. And this cap creates a continuous flow of electronic, electric fields that disrupt cell division in, uh, in brain cancer tumors right now. That's what it's uh, FDA approved for. And they, it, it sounds crazy because there are no side effects. It is just something you wear in your head. But they have clinical data that proves that if you use this device alongside standard of care chemotherapy and radiation, that it leads to uh, better, better health outcomes, longer life. And in fact, they recently came out with a study that showed the longer you wear it, the, the, the higher the, the benefit, which, which makes sense given that the, the therapy itself works. So these guys are, I mean, they were laughed at when they first came out because the, the, the concept was so radically different than anything else that was out there. Most people are used to treating cancer with either surgery or with different chemotherapy. The idea of treating it with a medical device was basically crazy, but these guys have been at it now for over over 15 years, and they've had it on the, had it on the market for um, um, more than uh, four years now, and they have long-term data that basically proves that using this device does work. And what's fascinating to me, because I have to admit, I was a little skeptical when I first uh, heard you mention this company, but number one, they've already got one FDA approval. It looks like they've got indications that could expand their total addressable market uh, so much further. So right now you're looking at about, what, twelve to 14,000 just in the glioblastoma space, and that's really aggressive brain cancer. But they've also are looking... At, uh, they've got a few phase three trials, one in lung cancer. Lung cancer has been a very hot area, uh, specifically within oncology, as you've got your checkpoints and uh, potentially at one point CAR-T therapy could even be used for that. But solid tumors continues to be kind of the holy grail of oncology. Um, you've also got pancreatic cancer. Um, and then you've got your brain metastases. So basically, uh, the, the stat that I came across, an estimated 24 to 45% of all cancer patients, not just those with brain cancer, in the United States have basically these cancer cells that have made their way to the brain. Um, that could widely expand their total addressable market um, if they go after that. Right now, it looks like that is in a phase three trial in and of itself. Um, so you've got multiple shots on goal with this company. Um, I think what's even more interesting is being able to see this therapy in combination with some of those tried and true therapies like checkpoint inhibitors, like CAR-T therapy. I 
think it becomes a much more interesting uh, concept and even more importantly, potentially um, a more efficacious treatment if you can combine the uh, physics behind this company with also to really the pharmacokinetics that are happening with many of these drugs. So all in all, a lot to like with this company. We'll have to wait and see if they're able to uh, basically expand their pipeline and get some more approvals. But really, really interesting one to watch. I'd say, Brian, of the three, probably this one riskier out of the bunch. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Novacure is still unprofitable, but one of the things that, uh, that, that, that attracts me to this business is they've already proven out um, that the device works in brain cancer. And since it's a device that has no side effects, literally no, no side effects at all, and you compare that to other forms of cancer treatment, um, I think the odds of it working in other solid tumors uh, that you mentioned, specific, especially lung cancer, if they can prove that, that that works and win FDA approval, I mean, this company's totally addressable market just explodes. I mean, you're talking about 10x plus in terms of the uh, the size that uh, difference between what they what they could be approved for now and what they could be approved for in the future. And the other thing I like about this company is I dug through this company's 10K. There is literally no other company that they know of that is working to develop TT field therapies. The only competition that they could think of was to uh, talk about other biotech drugs that could potentially render their technology useless one day. But this is a company that if, if TT Fields is the real deal, you, you do not have to worry about anybody else coming in and, and uh, encroaching on their space at all. So that's, that's very attractive. Great. So, Brian, to close us out, any closing thoughts, any words of wisdom for investors out there thinking about investing in these medical device monopolies? Yeah, I would just say get to know them. I mean, one of the things that uh, that I love about the medical device industry is that once a company shows success and gets out there and gets training, it becomes huge. The, the switching costs to go to a rival device are, are just huge. And I, I got to see that firsthand uh, when, I, when I was working in the industry. But I know that medical device stocks don't get enough attention, enough attraction from investors because they can be hard to understand. Um, but they are a very they can be a very lucrative place to invest. So just give them a chance. That's right. In 2018 was the year of medical devices. Those were the stocks that outperformed even the biotechs that are out there. So a lot to like in this space. Brian, we'll have to do this again, maybe give some updates on some of these top stocks. Sounds like a plan to me. Sounds like a plan. Well, that is it for this week's Industry Focus Healthcare Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is produced by Austin Morgan. For Brian Feroldi, I'm Shannon Jones. Thanks for listening and full on.